Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode, which is all about the artist's playground. But before we get onto that, we just want to say a big thank you to our latest Kofi supporters, Joanna Brown and Marcia Furman. Honestly, your continued support helps us to keep this podcast going and we really appreciate it. Yeah, not only does it help towards running the cost of kicking the creatives, but also helps us keep doing what we do. And it shows that you like what we're doing. We also want to thank everyone who's been sharing their work for the challenges with us on social media. So we've got Jackie Husi-Palowski. She's been doing the five minute March challenge. And for that, she's been doing these really fun and colorful animal drawings in a kind of cartoony style. And um, she's been including some really fun captions to go with them. So I've been really enjoying those. Have you seen those, Tara? Yeah, I love those. She can make a book of those. I know. I, th- I kind of thought something similar. I just thought they were so fun. Um, also, Valeria Holodniak, I hope I've pronounced your name right. Um, she's working her way through the Kicks 365 challenge. And she does these really fun little drawings with um, text in the most gorgeous handwriting. Uh, instantly recognisable as hers, I think. Um, She's actually passed the 300 mark now as well. So she's doing really well. Anyway, what's caught your eye? Well, uh, Nicole Alice, she's been doing the 50 Ways to Draw a Face Challenge. And she's been drawing Captain Picard from Star Trek. Do you remember? No, no I, never, I never watched <laughs> Star Trek. I know that there's going to be lots of people switching off now because I'm not a Star Trek fan or a Star Wars fan either. <laughs> well, anyway, she did one that I really liked especially, and that was using letters in the face I thought that right. was really cool oh yes yes yeah and then also Rob Myers who I'm a big fan of anyway his work not not a fan of Rob particularly he's not like a pop star or anything but you know his <laughs> he work looks like a pop. <laughs> he, him. he looks like a pop star he does a bit yeah um but he did this one drawing I, I like all his work but it was one he said was inspired by a French graffiti artist and it looked absolutely amazing he was worried about the composition of it but I thought it looked I worked saw really that. well. Is that where he said the face is misplaced or something? Yeah. And I thought, actually, because it is, you know, off-centre or whatever, it almost looks, I think that worked better than it would if I it I do was. too. Because it, it, it looks makes, accidental. Well, it looks slightly unnerving as well, which I well, thought works. All of his it. stuff is unnerving. And I mean that, Rob, in the nicest possible <laughs> way. <laughs> but your art is disturbing sometimes, but in not in a... Not in a dark, well, yeah, in a dark way, not in a not in a sinister way, if you know what I mean. And I think that must be what you're aiming for, but it, it definitely works. I've always said his stuff would be good on an album cover. Oh, would do, yeah. Yeah, wouldn't it? Death yeah. metal sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. death metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Rob's as well. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Sandra, what is new with you? Well... I am in the in-between stage now. So I've obviously just finished my crushed Coke can painting. Anyone who hasn't seen that, if you check out my Instagram, sandra.busby, you'll be able to see it. Although by now it'll probably be a few posts back. But yeah, so I've just finished that one and I've yet to start another. And it's a stage I always find a bit uncomfortable, that in-between stage where I actually haven't got anything on the go and I haven't set anything up to paint either. But I I normally leave it a couple of weeks before I start panicking. Um, And I've got a lot to do for kicking the creatives at the moment that I need to get done before I actually think about anything else. So, you know, that's that's got to come top of my list at the minute. Um, I've taken that painting I've just finished along with a few others, ones that I hadn't yet had photographed professionally. So I've taken them all to um, have some prints made. So I'll be putting those up on my website soon. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much it. I'm waiting for those images to come back to me. Um, oh yes, yes. Yesterday I got, you might've seen this Tara. I got a really unexpected email from a client who commissioned my huge marble painting, you know, my big painting of marbles I did. 
And um, I did it back in 2018. Now, it's very rare for me to get to see one of my paintings hanging on someone's wall. Usually once it, it leaves the studio, all I have, you know, left of, of the painting is is a photo of it. But they actually sent me a photo of the painting on the wall along with a video of the entire space it was in. And I was so chuffed. It really made my day. And, and it really suited the space. And I sent you the video, didn't I? It's not oh, something it's gorgeous. I could, oh, the my whole gosh. house. And, and, you know, it really suited as well your painting. But the house, oh, my God. I know. It was, it was something I imagine like some kind of Hollywood movie star would live. It was yeah. pretty amazing. And uh, it was really nice because, like I say, when you have an image of a painting, that's one thing. But you, when you have a photograph of it actually up in its space, it puts it into some kind of a context in a way, doesn't it? It's where it should be. And yeah, so they sent me a photo, then they sent me this video. And I did think, gosh, with a room like that, I'm pretty honoured that my painting is in it. Yeah, <laughs> it was so good. amazing. So that that was, yeah, I really enjoyed seeing that. And it's not something I could just go and see anytime soon myself because um, it's in Massachusetts. And of course, oh, perhaps, mm-hmm. perhaps you should say you need to come and you need oh, to come yeah, and see I, it. I need, it's a bit wonky. Can I come and straighten it, please? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It'll take a few days as well, so you might need to stay over. Yeah, of course. And, um, you know, I might get a bit hot over there, so I might need to use the pool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that was great. But, yeah, that's that's basically all my news at the moment. I haven't really got any, but what about you? What is new with you? Uh, I don't know anything new. I've been really focusing on Twitter a lot again. Uh, And poor everybody on social media because... Uh, do you remember we talked about this before, how people always say that as artists, we need to show our faces on anybody, really. You need to show your face on social media so people can get to know you as well as your art, you know, as a person. Yeah. So I'm subjecting everybody to my face <laughs> quite regularly. I'm so sorry you're having to see that as well as my work. I but anyway, seeing your face, Tara. I'm sure you do. And it, it always makes me laugh. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Actually, I, I need to ask you about my face at some point. I'll do that off air, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but true. anyway, so what I did what was quite fun. Do you remember mm. the doodly animal faces I was doing quite, uh, quite a while yes. ago which I had I had real fun with them like I decided that they might work quite well as NFTs but I thought I'll have to go one of them just to see if I can animate it and uh, it was quite a fun thing I mean it takes me quite a long time because I'm not an experienced animator but I did manage to get like little eyes blinking and the little leg moving and stuff. So that was quite fun. I saw um, that. I saw it and I thought it was amazing. I mean, your face ones that you animate, I think they are really, really, really good. But they almost have, <clears throat> a bit like we were talking about Rob earlier, there's something slightly... Creepy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was going to say, what's the word? It's not sinister and it's not dark, but slightly creepy about them, but in a good way, you know, and, and yeah... But this one is such a different type of, even though it's definitely you, and it, it's so different, but it's kind of more fun and whimsy. Yeah. I'd say it's whimsy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, also, I've been working on some more, you know, I'm doing the charcoal. They're much more moody than the ones I just mentioned. Yeah. They're kind of moody charcoal ones. So I've been working on that a lot more, and I, I want to build it up into a bigger sort of collection of pieces. Um, and I did one that I really liked, actually, of those. I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if it would have been your sort of thing, actually. It was. I did it on a sort of dark blue. I did a blue ink background and right. then worked on top of that. Mm-hmm. And it was almost, I took it, you could tell it was a face. Yeah. But it, it was further away from reality, if you know what I mean. Oh, I'm going to have to look that one up. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Uh, you depends know you... what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about my face, but... No. <laughs> so... You, I know that you used to say you you hated charcoal when we first started yeah. this podcast a few years yeah. ago, and now you obviously work with it a lot, so that's changed. But how do you get around the fact that charcoal is not permanent? It, it is, but it isn't. If you wipe, say if you wipe your hand across it, you'll have black hands. Do you see what I mean? Do you always set them somehow? Well, no, because the reason I'm liking charcoal now is because I'm using it a matte medium. So you you put matte medium over all of the charcoal? No. So what I do is 
I start off my charcoal face, like so I'll draw a very loose charcoal face. Yeah. And then I squirt. <laughs> it's a very beautiful procedure where I squirt matte medium onto it. And then I get a little kid's sponge roller and I roll her over it. Mm, okay. And then once over I, the whole lot, all the areas well, of charcoal. Over most of the areas of charcoal. Mm-hmm. And then I hair dryer that. And then I um, wait for that to dry, add a bit of acrylic for like white highlights where I want them. And then I'll do another layer. So I do charcoal again and some matte medium squirted on top and roller it. So there are still areas. So it's not like fix, fix, because there will be areas I'll probably miss with a roller. But there's so much less, yeah, come off, come offable, <laughs> come offable. That's yeah, a new so, term. How <laughs> much less come offable? So I'm not actually smudgeable. Yeah, I'm, so I'm not actually spraying them with fixative or anything. I'm just I'm keeping them in a box, but I'm just putting a layer of acid-free paper in between. Have you ever tried that with soft pastels, like chalk pastels? Yeah, I did it with I did it with chalk pastels, but. I've only got quite cheap chalk pastels, and I think yeah. you'd really need some with some really good pigment in. Yeah. But it does re- work really well with ink tents blocks. You know, right. you get the blocks like the pencils. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're very much like pastels, aren't they? Have you you've tried those, haven't you? Not the blocks. I've got the no. um the pencils. Well, if you can just imagine those in in kind of block form, yes, like yeah. pastel, so bright, aren't they? They're really yeah. Um, but you you. Wet just using the matte medium instead of water and obviously that again fixes it a lot more although yeah. they're not too bad anyway no but, they're yeah. like colored pencils they're permanent yeah. pretty much anyway aren't they so yeah no it yeah. works quite well with those so yeah, yeah. that's it really so we i haven't, both... haven't sold any nfts so for a week or yeah, so. yeah but you sold eight the week before so did, we won't yeah. worry about that <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so let's get on to today's episode. So today we are talking about the artist's playground. And uh, Tara, you know how much I love an analogy, don't you? Yes, so, you do. Yes. Um, as we know, a child always performs better at school when they're also allowed a bit of time to exercise, to play, not be a slave to the rules. They've got their time then to have fun and just let go. Um, and I think it's the same for artists. Uh, if if an artist allows themselves time to you know let go and have a bit of fun then they'll work better at their more serious pieces and one of the things this helps us with is to lose our inhibitions because this isn't necessarily stuff that will appear in our other work so it doesn't have to be seen or judged uh, by anyone Um, and again we can liken this to our grades at school which are judged by our efforts in the classroom and not in the playground but unlike kids as adults it's a lot harder for us to let go and this is something we've got to allow ourselves to do without sort of self-judgment or embarrassment it's, it's really funny isn't it that we can actually get embarrassed of ourselves <laughs> it's the same it's thing quite you easy. <laughs> i don't think you've got any inhibitions have you <laughs> me <laughs> thanks <laughs> um yeah, anyway, there are, there are things that we can do to help ourselves let go and start having a bit of fun, which we'll go into today. But first of all, Tara, I wonder, why yes. is it then, do you think, that adults are so much more inhibited than children and generally find it harder to let go? Because I think over the years, we've gradually been taught, well, we've gradually got all this criticism, haven't we? Yeah. And then, and then you learn that, oh, okay, if we get, that criticism it's better if we don't do it in the first place we just do what we know either gets praise or nobody mentions <laughs> it's like well, that's what I think it is so seriously yeah. I think mm. you learn to try and avoid being criticized yeah so yeah. whereas when you're a kid you don't really think about it do you well no when you're a kid you'll you'll be bounding along the the pavement you'll see a tree branch you'll leap up grab it swing a bit and then like drop down and carry on if you're an adult you saw an adult in front of you doing that you'd think he was a lunatic wouldn't you yeah you would <laughs> you completely would and it is that thing isn't it well you basically you start worrying what people think don't you you do yeah yeah but sad. i think it's one of those ways to get around that isn't it to do challenges that they get you out of your comfort zone especially if you pick one that is not something you would necessarily new do, new do. <laughs> not necessarily do normally. And I actually think, didn't this podcast come around? Because we read, or I think I read that somebody 
saying, oh, they hope they're going to have enough ideas for the 50 ways to draw a face challenge. Yeah, well, we were speaking about it last in the last episode, weren't we? We were talking yeah. about it, and then we came up with this idea of how you can find different ideas and play and, you know, find different ways of doing things. Yeah, but that was it, because she was saying she might get stuck. She That's might draw, draw uh, a few faces and then think, oh, what am I going to do with the next one? Because the idea of the 50 ways to draw a face challenge is that, you draw a face 50 ways. So you might draw it in pencil, but then you could draw it in pencil, but a different way. So you might do it with a blind contour or just using straight lines or something. So we thought what we'd do is come up with this podcast where we suggest all these ideas. You don't have to use it for the 50 ways to draw a face, but it would just be ideas that you can experiment with and play with and and try out. So are you going to kick off with some of the first ones? Yeah. Okay. So I think the first really useful thing about a challenge is that they often come with a list of optional prompts, don't they? I mean, we do them with ours. Um, And I think this is a great way of coming up with ideas that you might not have thought of before. And, you know, with me, I've mentioned it before. I did that um, challenge with that artist years ago, my artist friend, Suzanne Berry. And, you know, we were just listing out five words and picking one, and then we'd both have to paint something, you know, from that that prompt. And, and it's a good way of coming up with ideas. But it doesn't have to just be about things to paint. So it depends what kind of prompts you've got. You could create your own set of prompts. You don't have to use, you know, ones from other people. And that can be anything from a list of random words, which you can either choose yourself or go to Random Word Generator. Is it is that the name of the site? There's one called Random Word. I can't remember. But if you just, if you just up, search, yeah. Yeah. And you can get some great ideas um, from that. You can just literally print out the first, I don't know, 31 words that come up. But you don't have to stick to just um, that kind of thing. You could also write down a list of other things like... Um, perhaps different styles or different ways of mark making you might pick one prompt might be squiggles or circles or cubism or something like that and then what you do is you go through your prompts one by one and you create something which is then you know sparked by that prompt and you could even make it even more interesting by making a list of words and a list of techniques so for example if your word is milky um, and your technique is circles, then you could draw a cow using different size circles. Yeah. <laughs> really bad Milky example circles. There. <laughs> uh, But you can create some amazing art like this because your circles can be anything from teeny weeny weeny to, to huge. So it depends whether you want to get a more real style or or go for something really abstract. But um, yeah, so there's a, there's a whole host of ways you can use prompts. And like I say, you can always get them from challenges. But, you, you know, I think it's quite fun to make your own as well. You, you've mentioned I, before making prompt cards, haven't you? Yeah, but actually for the 50 Ways to Draw a Face, when I did that, I had a big list of prompts. Hmm. Um, and what I would do is hmm. I'd, I'd do stuff like that, put like circles, lines. But I'd also maybe see a piece of art online and I think, oh, I like that. They've done squiggles. Or yeah. I like that they've used blocks of colour. So I might even just like take a snapshot of it just to remind me what, you know, what the prompt was about. I, I don't actually make the thing look like that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But I then put the words near it. Use blocky lines. Or Right, I see. So and I had a huge list of that. So if ever I didn't couldn't think of what to do with the 50 faces i'd just go and have a look at that list yeah and if yeah. you prepare it in advance as well you've got you've got that thing to go back to haven't you oh yeah yeah um another thing that i like to do and you hate this sandra i know is <laughs> draw with something that's really hard to control so use something like a dropper bottle you know like an, an acrylic ink dropper bottle yeah I, I love drawing like that i did one of my faces like that and you just get such interesting marks that you wouldn't normally because you obviously get some real solidy blobs and then you get some quite scratchy marks anything like that that can kind of lead to some happy accidents they make you draw differently to how you would normally so you're going to get effects that you wouldn't normally expect and you might hate some and you might like some but I, I use kiddie brushes I've mentioned this before those little kids sponge brushes Oh yeah, you've you've you're the kind of um, artist that are going to and and like hobby craft or something and find um, a kid's ideal Christmas present for sponge sort of like oh yeah and things like that <laughs> yeah. yeah 
You'd be so cheap to buy for. <laughs> but what what is great about those is it's not like having this really beautiful artist brush that's going to put the thing exactly where you want. It does things that you can't quite prepare where it's going to go. And sometimes that can give you some really nice results and you get some, you get kind of energy into the work, I think, like that. And, and it also, if you're going to use something like a kid's brush, I think another thing, it takes the fear away because yeah. you'll often have that assumption, oh, it's not going to be great because I'm just using kids' tools. So you can really like let go and enjoy it, especially with the dropper bottle as well. You can really swoosh around with that. But you might be surprised that you actually like it a lot more than you thought. I guess that's what you call a happy accident, isn't it? Yeah. When you do something and you don't know what the result's going to be. It could be terrible. It could be amazing. And then when it's amazing, it's like, wow. I mean, it was a total accident, but I love it. Yeah. I don't suppose you get that with yours, do do you? Because you know. No, not not with my realism paintings, no. (laughs) Do your sketches perhaps more? Oh, yeah. I'd say that. Um, I don't know. I suppose in a much more subtle way I do. Yeah. You know, I mean, that Coke can, for example. Yeah. In the background, you know, I'm doing all these, uh, uh, what you call them, like little bottle tops, which are quite tricky to to get right. And because of the little wrinkly, you know, the bit on the outside, the kind of, what do you you call it, like um, pleated edge. Yeah, I don't know what it's called, but yeah. I don't know what it's called, but, you know, and they they can be a little bit tricky. Um, And there was one right at the very back, which... I was going to do more with it, but I realized when I put this, I'd used the wrong brush um, and it was kind of quite, it was a very hard stubbly brush and I picked up, just picked up the wrong one. And when I made the mark, I thought, oh my gosh, that's actually, that's perfect because I wanted that very blurry background sort of out of focus look. Yeah. And that brush actually worked perfectly. And I just I just left it. I thought, oh no, that'll do actually. That that was great. I must remember to use that brush in the future for things like this. So they're they're the kind of happy accents I have. But so that was choosing the wrong tool again. Yes, yeah, like, just choosing the wrong tool, making a mark yeah. and thinking, Well, actually that really worked. And you so, couldn't control that as well. I'm guessing it didn't it wasn't a brush for fine detail, was it? No, no, not at no. all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I yeah. love that. You could also try um a style that is perhaps the polar opposite to what you would normally do. So I did this myself. So as you know, I'm a realism painter, but on the side, I sometimes draw really silly cartoons. And um, that's my way, I guess, of letting go of that pedantic side I have that where I want to get something, you know, to look just right. And it's the one time when I really do not care about making mistakes Um I'll post the mistakes. I don't care about that because it's not important. It's a cartoon. It's meant to be fun. And in fact, I think sometimes mistakes in a cartoon make it look all the more, I don't know, funny, I guess. Um, But if you put my cartoons next to my paintings, you would never believe the same artist did both. And I kind of like that. I like that that's a, a totally different side of me. And um, yeah, so so you could do it the other way around. You know, if you're somebody who... I don't know, likes abstract, does abstract paintings. Perhaps you might like to try doing cartoons or uh, realism painting or whatever. Just try something different. You might not enjoy it, but at the same time, you might find a different side to you that you didn't know you would enjoy. And that's something you could play with. Yeah, I mean, I think another thing you can do is try thinking about what you're drawing, but think about what it would be like at a different scale. Mm. So, for example, one of my faces, I keep going back to my faces, but that's because that's, that's, right. that's what you do, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So in one of those, I put little people inside the head of one of my faces. So it looked like the head of the big head was a basket of a balloon. Yeah. So yeah, just alter the scale of something. It could also be like, if you can imagine, say you like drawing fruit, for example, you could make that piece of fruit enormous and then put all things tiny below it like it's a skyscraper or something you could have a skyscraping banana <laughs> <didn't> you? <laughs> or you could have this tiny little apple that's resting on a fingertip just to make things a little bit surreal or a little bit more interesting you're not even having to paint it in a different way you could still 
for example, you could still paint that in a realism style, couldn't you? Mm, mm. But it's Funny just... you should say that because I've been thinking more towards the lines of a little bit of adding a bit of surrealism to my own work, but still wanting ah. to keep it very much in my own style. Yeah. But yes, that's the kind of thing I've been thinking about recently, actually. A skyscraping banana? Not a skyscraping banana or a tiny apple, but... <laughs> But there you go. Maybe maybe that'll maybe that'll come up. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be going, I want a commission for that. That was my idea. <laughs> but I have got some other ideas that are more surreal. Uh, go on then. Well, I don't know if I want to give away everything. <laughs> okay, Otherwise right. there's no Tadar moment, is there? People will go, Oh well, yeah, that she said uh, she's gonna that's do that. Boring. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you off air. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I guess what you were saying a minute ago about you could go really, really big. If you if you normally paint really really big, you could start you could try a miniature. I mean, you might not like it, but it's still going to make you adjust your technique, isn't it? And yeah, you might definitely. find some different ways of painting because you have to adapt. You have to adapt your your technique to suit and you tools, know, don't you? Really, and the tools. Yeah. Now you know, like I said, I did this back in two thousand and eighteen when I did that marble painting that we were talking about earlier. Now, I used to do paintings back then that were around the 30 by 40 centimetre mark, maybe the 40 by 50 centimetre mark, something like that. But generally, I didn't really go much bigger than that. Basically, I was commissioned to do a marble painting and they wanted this painting to be really big. And it's funny because in that... um, in the photo they sent me, it doesn't look huge, but it looked massive in my studio. But it's the size of the room, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now, I can't remember the exact size of what that painting was, but it was about three and a half by four and a half foot. So significantly bigger than I would usually work. And so each marble was was bigger than my head, put it that way, or at least as big as my head. And, um, you know, the marbles I was doing at the time would have been more about the size of a, I don't know, the biggest one might have been the size of a cup. Oh, God, I thought you were going to say size of a boob. Depends <laughs> <laughs> whose boob it is. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I, I remember panicking a bit at first because I was really worried because working on a large scale, you know, such a large scale meant I had to change my technique. I needed to use much larger brushes, much broader strokes, bigger marks, but still end up with my usual style at the end of it because they wanted a painting in my style. But of course, if I'd have tried painting that painting using my usual tools um, and my usual brush strokes, it wouldn't have worked. It would have looked incredibly overworked. Um, So I did. I had to adapt and it, it worked and they absolutely loved it. Now, you know, whilst I wasn't actually trying to experiment or change my style, what it did teach me is not to be afraid to go big or try something new. And actually, also, um, using bigger brushes can be a, a really good thing, even in a smaller painting. So, yeah, I learned a lot from that painting. And I've I've worked, uh, you know, a bit bigger than I used to ever since, really. <laughs> you sounded like you were boring yourself at the end of that sentence. Yeah, shut up, Sandra. You're a bit, a waffling big... now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another thing you can try and I used to do this for I don't know if you remember those purpley abstract faces I used to do quite a few years ago so when I first started out drawing abstract faces I had no idea how to abstract something it's like what do you do if if you're used to drawing something relatively realistic then you know how do you start and one of the ways I did was to find a distortion app and there, there are these on on like the app store for your phone i know there's there's quite a few for the apple one i can't remember which i think it was something like the body editor or something that i use it's mm. called something similar but basically you could put a face in or you you could put anything in really and then you can start pulling bits about it's like it's if you can imagine you've got wet paint on there but you could actually take a section of that wet wet, wet paint and sort of squeeze it and make it bigger and make it smaller. So you can make the eye massive, you can make the nose tiny, you could move the mouth over. And I would do that, and then I would draw it. And obviously, I'd use a lot of artistic license because it would look really weird on Mm. the distortion app. But that sort of got me in the mode of exaggerating things and, and moving things. And I think that is a really fun way to start. 
especially if you're in an app, you, you can't really go wrong, can you? Because you, you don't have to, it's not like making a mistake. You can keep adjusting it. I always remember that portrait artist of the year with, um, oh, what's his name? He was absolutely amazing. Chris, Christian Hook? Christian Hook. Oh, gosh. Oh, he was the remember, best, wasn't he? Oh, he was amazing. And I remember he just done the most exquisite painting. And he actually took... I think it was a credit card or something like that, and suddenly just swiped right across it oh, and smudged it across the, the, you know, the canvas. And I remember looking at it, thinking, "Oh my God, what are you doing? This that was amazing. What have you done?" And then he kind of worked back into a bit and then swipe it again across another bit, and it came out so well and so interesting. But that would have put the fear of God into me if I'd have done that. But, um, you know, I guess you, you could actually spoil a piece if it went wrong, couldn't you? And you're like, oh, but it's just there's a certain amount of bravery when you're actually doing on a canvas, isn't there? Whereas on an app, you that that sort of um, you can take the fear factor away, can't you? Because yeah, but I mean, you're doing this for a real face. So you'd have your reference photo. You'd yeah. do that in. Yeah. yeah. And then you draw. Yeah. So you can mess about it. So you can undo it. Yeah. You can you experiment like. on the yeah. app before yes. you do it on the actual canvas. Yeah, and I say you can't. I wouldn't draw it literally afterwards. No, but it definitely gives you a lot, a lot of ideas what to yeah. do. Yeah, and yeah. do you know what? When you said about portraits, out, I can. I never quite understand, and I know everybody has different tastes on these things. But if I was going to have a portrait done, mm. well, I wouldn't want one of me anyway. But if I was going to have one done, I don't. I don't know why you would want one that is just a high realism portrait. You know, like as, as in it looks like a photograph. Mm. because I always think well you want some, the artist to put some interest like like he did to do something interesting with it because otherwise yes. I'd, I'd have a beautiful photo not be it wouldn't be a very beautiful photo but you know <laughs> what I mean stop it <laughs> god I actually love that self-portrait you did that you use now as your profile picture the, the I one I use on Twitter yeah I love Crack, that craggy I really like that I know I what you really mean though there's a lot of that there's a lot of people that would say, I mean, that's the thing about realism painting, isn't it? A lot of people say, well, what's the point in having a realism painting? You might as well take a photo. There's a, a, I think there's a line between, see, I like to think that you can, well, you can certainly still tell mine are a painting. But um, yours aren't, yours aren't. They're not hyper-realism, no. No, no, but also they're, they're set, I don't mean they're set up in a bad way. No, no, what I, I mean, mean is you decided what's going in that, whereas a portrait of a person if it's hyper-realism, so it looks like a photograph, you might as well have had the photograph. Yeah. I know people would disagree with that, totally. Yeah, I see but, what you mean, yeah. 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 But I'd mm. rather have something kind of, whether it's a little bit stylized or yeah. know, something happening Oh, with I it. think you're right. Yeah, I, I, I would too. Otherwise, like you say, I don't particularly I guess, like having my photo taken, so to have my face massive on a wall in paint, unless it's got some kind of, kind of quirk to it, yeah. I think I'm really there. Unless you hadn't got a really good photograph hmm. and someone was making, you know, you know, making it look good, if you know what I mean. Then <laughs> yeah. I, then and I it's not it. really you, though, is it? <laughs> no, no, but, but I mean, like, say, say someone, you know, died and, and you'd got a photograph, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't amazing. Yes. But you but you could use a few photographs to get a really good, then I could see. Yeah, why. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could also collect together a few different pieces of work by um artists that you like maybe two or three bits and perhaps you could save it to a pinterest board i, I know you do that tara um i would probably print them out because i'm one of these people that kind of needs to see things um like there rather than have to look through my, through my computer but yeah take some images of of art you like by artists you like um maybe say for instance let's go for the obvious van gogh Monet, Medigliani or something like that. But you could choose any, any you know, people you've seen online or whatever. Um, then you would think perhaps how you could combine an element you like from each one to create your own piece. So perhaps you like the brush strokes of Van Gogh, the colour palette of, of Monet or the bold outlines of Medigliani. I sound like I know so much about art, don't I? Though? My do. art history is amazing. <laughs> Um, I think most people are familiar with those with those artists, but by taking small elements from each of those styles, you can come up with your own unique way of working. So, I, I guess it's a bit like um, the oh, steel like an artist, isn't it? Yeah. 
yeah totally. where you and that's what artists do they they see something they like it and, and they use what they see to introduce elements to their own work and they create their own style by doing that be inspired by the by other artists don't copy them but just take little bits of what you like and use it in your own work and I think as well the more you do that like say you, you did that when you said mm. um, you might find then that elements of what you come up with there will come out in future work yeah that's what I find anyway you might think oh I like the way I did that little piece of that there so yeah. it ends up becoming so far removed from the initial thing anyway that it, it doesn't matter and also you know keeping old bits of work people say oh, I threw all my old work away but there's a reason why it's a good idea not to do that because when you're learning to draw or paint there are going there's going to be work isn't there where you look back and you think oh or you look at it and think oh that's awful but I oh, I really like that bit what a shame you know that bit was really nice there's you know that's how you learn you if you keep those bits and you look back and think actually I really like that part of it I love how I did you know how I I made that bit soft focus or whatever and then you could think okay but I can use that then in my future paintings that's how I'm going to improve just just keep old work and every now and then go back through it and think okay what was good about it and actually sometimes what you think isn't very good at the time, later on when you're a more confident artist, you'll think, actually, I really, I don't mind that. That was really good. It's just I didn't have the confidence to see how this quirky piece could, is, you know, could be a good bit, a good piece. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I just want to go back and mention that there was an app that I used, but you mentioned I used Pinterest, but I also mm. found Instagram, I think they make the app. It's called Layout. And all it is is an app where you can put multiple pictures in one piece. So say like, basically it's really for using on Instagram. Like say you wanted to make a mosaic of four pictures for your Instagram. Yeah. So what I would do, but you can move it around so you can have one picture that's really big and others that are small. So I would put the picture I was drawing for the 50 faces big and then three maybe inspiration pieces that I was using small in the little squares. And then yeah. I would make that into a photograph and I would just have that in front of me to inspire me as I was doing bits. Oh, that's a really good idea. So I think, oh, yeah, I'm going to use that. I might use bits of like colour palettes or whatever. And, and honestly, I don't think you looked at any of those pieces and known my sources. No. Well, that's, that's, that's the clever bit, isn't it? That's where you just take an element. Or maybe than... it's because I can't draw very well. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's not true, and I know that's not yeah. true. <laughs> But but you can also do something similar just by taking one completely unrelated piece to what you're doing. So one really, really unrelated piece of art and get inspired by it. So, for example, I saw an abstract artist that I, I really like her work and she was using a grey paper with shapes and colours on it. So I actually took that idea of using the grey with these different colours on it and made it into a face. But mine very definitely looks like a face. And again, I don't think you would look at that and think, oh, she was inspired by that artist. No. But Which is it's... very different than when you see, because I see a lot of artists who perhaps do a lot of work or they've been to courses with various, you know, artists and they end up kind of, rather than taking elements from that and learning from it, they're kind of almost trying to be that person. And that's when I think it works, it doesn't work so well because... What happens then? If you take, for instance, someone like Ian Fennelly or Deb Weirs, people that do the, you know, courses like yeah. that, and, and quite often I'll go on Instagram and I'll, I'll think, oh, that looks, that looks a bit like a Deb Weirs or that looks a bit like an Ian Fennelly. It's not uh, Fennelly, it's not them, but you can tell that it's, they've been taught by that person. Yeah. I, I think the problem with that is that you, by trying to be that person, you're never going to be that person. You're, you're never going to be them and you're never going to be as good as them because you're not them. <laughs> do you see yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I do. So you're better off taking what you learn from them and trying to adapt it to your own style. And that way you are learning from them and you're getting better, but you're then trying to do something unique with it. Yeah, totally. I think there's no harm in drawing a few pieces like them. No, not at all. Not and then you with. start thinking, how can I take a little bit? Or I think you should take multiple courses from multiple people or 
it doesn't even have to be courses you know look at multiple youtube videos or yeah. multiple sources mm. and then work like that so okay um Deb, Deb has inspired me by I really like the way she draws eyes or something and then but then you might you know start looking at other techniques and you might love a watercolor technique someone else does and think oh maybe I can kind of try that out yeah absolutely you could also combine mediums that you wouldn't normally put together so recently I was looking at um, some of the work by Rob Myers. I think it was, we've mentioned him a lot in Rob. this podcast. We're obviously a big yeah, fan. We are, we are. <laughs> yeah, we feel like Rob groupies, aren't we? <laughs> I'm not actually 100% sure it was Rob. You might know this. Um, anyway, whoever it was, they had discovered that they could actually paint with charcoal by wetting it. Was it him? Was it him? I don't know. I don't know. I've um, done it before. Are you sure it wasn't me you admire? It, it, <laughs> it, it could be. It could be. Um, now what you do, you can get charcoal powder, obviously, but you can just grind up a stick of willow charcoal, but by using a wet brush, you can then use it like paint. And I guess you could also dip a piece of willow charcoal in water and draw with that. And I assume just do it this, afterwards as well. I've done it afterwards. Yeah. yeah. I assume, or spray it or something with a, with a water bottle. I assume this kind of gives it a bit more permanence too, I guess. Um, I, I, I suppose know. that works like that. But you can try any combination. You could use soft pastels over watercolour or acrylic. You know, there's no end of ways you can combine medias the only one thing you should definitely not do is use acrylic over oils or something like that because that that's not going to last because obviously the oils will take a lot longer to dry so that'll crack tara i know that you discovered that using white medium over charcoal work really well as well which we spoke about earlier but just try different things try things you would never normally use and just see and again this is like i say this is about the artist's playground isn't it it's not about trying it on your normal work I mean I I have set times where I'm like right I'm working on a painting that's not the time I would start experimenting we're talking about experimenting outside of what you normally do and then maybe if it works then you can introduce it to what you normally do do you see what I mean where where is the artist's playground then is it a sketchbook do you think or is it just See, I think it's anywhere, really, that's not your usual canvas for a painting you would normally do if you are limited with time. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, I think it all depends on the type of work you do. Maybe you mm. are just doing, maybe you are still in an experimental phase anyway, in which case yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter where it is, does it? No. But if you have, if like you, you've got this set style, or if like me, you're trying to contain yourself a little and not <laughs> be, too, be too here, there and everywhere, then, yeah. then I mean, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't experiment so much in a sketchbook purely because it's not got the robustness if I was doing these things yeah. and I would end up spraying stuff all over all the other pages. And <laughs> Yeah, no, you know I know. What I mean? yeah. It depends what you're doing, I guess, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's whatever suits you. Yeah. And, of course, what scale? Because if you're going to go massive in scale, you're not going to go probably in the sketchbook either. No, 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 no. Maybe. Um, actually, which think about, I still keep intending doing some larger scale pieces. I don't. There we go. That's another thing. Um, another thing you can do is try choosing one or two colours which you don't normally use, and then go ahead and use them. And there isn't actually a colour challenge that does this. I think it's called something like Colour Rimbo or something like that. Right. But and and they basically give you, I think, over a month they give you a few different colour palettes of two colours. Or I think it's two colours. I've got that right. And anyway, you use those two colours in your work. And I've seen people and their results on Instagram and and some are so lovely. It it just pops up and you can tell it's the same person, but there's something a little bit different about it. And I I have this thing. I never use greens. Hardly ever use green. Really? I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why, but it just rarely... I'm I'm just looking for all of one in front of me has got green on. (laughs) (laughs) But it's very, very rare that I will use green. But there's also, if you go to sites like Colour Lovers, you can get colour palettes for inspiration there and just pick one and have a go at maybe using that. There's also, I think it was, what's that book we've got by the the really quirky guy? The one who does sketch, Felix Scheinberger. Yeah. He's got that one, haven't we? In his, he talks about taking different colours from the colour wheel, like maybe taking two that are close together or 
to two opposites or whatever mm. uh, and trying those instead of your normal color color combination even if you're drawing something which you would consider relatively realistic in front of you and I think that, I think that's a cool way to experiment yeah definitely maybe if I, I as a realism painter you know try to obviously make my colors appear real but maybe what if say for instance I was painting an apple and instead of making that apple you know uh red or green or both or whatever maybe I could make my apple um I don't know purple orange or or, yeah orange or, or a bowl of fruit where the orange is actually the color the apple would be the apple yeah. is the color the orange would be. The banana is, I don't know. A skyscraper. Yeah. <laughs> There's all sorts of ways you can think about this. I mean, obviously this stuff's coming off the top of our heads at the moment, but it's, it's you have these little ideas. You think, well, that wouldn't actually work, but what about if I refined that idea a bit? And, and that's where having a notebook is a really good idea, always having your notebook and just, you know, writing down these ideas you have. Yeah. Um, you could also create a few blind contour drawings over each other and work into it. So we all know what, a, well, most of us will know what a blind contour drawing is. So it's where you are just looking at your subject and you're not looking at your page when you draw. So um, by that, I mean, draw one and then maybe turn your page up the other way and then draw again over the top. And what you could do then is when you look down at your page, you could keep turning your page around until somewhere within those shapes of what you've drawn, you see something different altogether. And then you could work from that. And I remember ages ago, it wasn't a blind contour drawing this one at all, but I drew, I was sitting in front of the TV, Paul was watching football and I was bored because football's not really my thing. So I decided to draw my foot. <laughs> it was just, my foot was there. And I drew my foot just in an outline of pen and it actually went wrong. Um, I just did something wrong and I thought, oh God, that's rubbish. So I turned the page um, and I did my foot again and that foot overlapped the other foot. And then I thought, oh, that's quite cool. So I did it again and I think I did about four or five feet, one over each other, just turning the page each time. And the actual page at the end of it was really good. I loved it. And it all started because I made a mistake. So then I kind of just kept working over it. So there are other things you could, you know, get ideas from. I guess that blind contour thing reminds me a little bit of that lady who does the, um, isn't it the pavement cracks, where she looks at pavement cracks and just finds shapes within it to create creatures. Carla Sonheim. Is that, is that her name? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So again, it's, it's, it's just basically you've got your lines there. I mean, you don't have to do a blind contour. You could just do loads of squiggles and lines and whatever and just then walk away from it, come back and think, oh, what shape can I see in there? What what does that trigger? Yeah, I guess it's like the ink blots challenge, isn't it? It's like yeah. you've got this loads of squiggles and you find something in it. Mm, yeah. Um, you can also use collage, tear up paper and draw over it. You can put post-its over bits of it. And then what I like about this technique is – you start drawing or you might put some collage down, start drawing. But then if you don't like a bit, just whack another bit of collage over the top or put a bit of paint over the top and then work back into it. And you can just keep on going, altering the bits that you don't like, <coughs> yeah, yeah. adding new bits to it. Yeah. Um, imagine that like in years to come, because on that, um, have you ever seen that program, Fake or Fortune with the art? No, you told to, me about yeah, it. Yeah, they're trying to figure out if it's real, if it's dumb, if it's a genuine Monet or whatever and what they often do is they they um x-ray they x-ray the piece of art and they'll find what they call the pentimente which is or pentimenti which is um basically where an artist changes his his or her mind while they're as they're painting so they might decide actually I, I'm not happy with the hand in that position I need to adjust that and this x-ray shows all of those adjustments that they make which can help tell whether that person is the real artist or not because if it's absolutely perfect first time it suggests that they've copied rather than ah, do you see what I mean yeah but can you imagine in you know this day and age where, where a lot of people use mixed media and collage and there's going to be a lot of that isn't there <laughs> totally yeah <laughs> Lo- loads of bits of collage over bits that went wrong <laughs> yeah like to be discovering post-it notes yeah oh, I used to use these yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, you could get inspired by things other than art. So it could be from a 
I don't know, a bit of scrap material that you could clip in your sketchbook and come back to later. Might be the colour combination of that material you like. In fact, collecting anything like that in a sketchbook is always a good idea. It might be a, I don't know. So it's like a sketchbook, I think, is a really good place to start when you're playing just when you you know you're starting out and I'm always fascinated by those ones that you see that aren't just full of sketches but have got you know scraps of paper beer mats material photos all stuck in there where it's so full that the artist can't actually close it properly I mean as well as drawing obviously but that's what you call a real artist playground isn't it or uh, maybe it's just something you see on an advert that catches your eye. Write it down in your sketchbook. And you do this, don't you, Tara? With the, you've spoken about it before, where it's the credits that you like. Yeah. You know, something like that. You know, just write down what it is you like about that. Maybe. So, so useful, something like that, especially when you're, you know, you're going to make a piece the next day and, mm. and you don't know what you're going to do. And then you just spot something that could be you know walking down the road you spot a texture whatever couldn't it or the tv and it's like oh, i know what i'm doing now yeah. it's so good so good well like you say you know perhaps you spot something that a, a non-creative person might not and that's the thing about seeing like an artist isn't it a good example of that it was when i was about to throw that crushed coke can in the bin now we'd had a couple of people over one night one of them had brought with them some decaffeinated coca-cola and it was in a gold can which i hadn't seen many of those before it's in the silver ones and the red ones and i was about to throw this crushed coke can in the bin before i sort of it caught the light and i thought oh actually do you know what that might make a really interesting thing to paint now most people would have just chucked that can away but if you keep your eyes open to things like that they'll make for an inspiration at later date and actually that coke can i'm pretty sure has been sitting in my art room cupboard for i don't know i don't know must be at least six months possibly longer and i was just happened to be going through it and i picked it up so oh i'd forgotten about that and straight away i was like oh yeah i want to paint that that's going to be perfect you can also break what you're drawing into really simplified shapes. Do you remember those old um, oil painting by number things? Yes, I do. I used to do those at my nan's. <laughs> painting well, by could, numbers. You could not. I don't mean go as detailed as that, but you could pick no. really simple, big shapes. You can see maybe a shadow shape or something, but simplify it and make it really blocky and then colour those shapes in. You don't even have to use traditional colours to colour them in, but maybe just do it, and I get mixed up in all the wording here, but you want the dark bits to be dark still and the lighter bits to be lighter, but you could do it with different colours. You can tell me the proper terminology for that, Sandra. (laughs) The you know, when you have the dark bits. Tonal values. Tonal values, yeah. So you want to get your tonal values right, but still use funny (laughs) colours. Um but you could do you could do that and you could do nice sweeping shapes but then you could try another one and maybe they're really angular shapes but you still use the same shapes with straight lines and i did that on one of my faces as well cool oh watch me again (laughs) it is yeah because this is something i'd never do uh, this you can also create a monoprint so a monoprint is basically just when you get something i mean you do it on a bit of plastic maybe like a plastic sleeve put a load of ink or something on there then you get uh turn upside down another piece of paper put a piece of paper on top of it and then draw something on that and obviously where you're pressing the ink goes onto the paper but what you do get is some really nice textures and stuff so Mm. you could then go in and do the thing we were talking about before with a collage and maybe either use bits of that in a collage or you could collage over the top of it and draw into it as well Mm. And again, it's one of those things where it's a little bit haphazard. You can't completely control a monoprint. You can also do that with near colours, actually. Have I ever told you this? No. In in my course, I put... So basically, if you get a plastic sleeve, draw like near colour on top of it, and then you get either some gesso, clear gesso or matte medium, sort of mix it in, and then you can use that, tip that upside down and press down to make a line with it. It's like being a kid in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it's like well, that's, that's what you said at the beginning. Yeah, it is. It's like being a kid in a in a in a, in a, a art class. You know, they're encouraged to experiment and all sorts, aren't they? Yeah. And I think we forget to do that sometimes as adults. We forget what those primary school art classes were like, and that that's what it's all about. 
I've told you multiple times, haven't I, that when I was a kid, I once told my um, teacher I'd finished everything and she says, have you been to the art table? Have you played in the sandpit? You know, and I go, no, we haven't finished your work then. <laughs> I bet you love that. <laughs> this is when I was about 15. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is uh, when about five. Oh, oh those were the anyway, days. Do you know what we normally do now, don't you? Well, I do know what we normally do now, Tara. We normally read answers to our previous question. And the question was, what would be your ideal day for your inner artist? But somebody, namely me, forgot to post the question up. So unfortunately, we've only got two answers so far (laughs) (laughs) because I hastily posted it yesterday. So we'll probably get another load today. We might do. So I don't know what you want to do, Sandra. Well, let's read those two answers out. You get a slap on the wrist and I need to start reminding you. <laughs> okay. And the problem is I don't know where the answers are either. Instagram, aren't they? Oh, I found it. I found it. I did. I'd saved it on my machine. Here we go. <laughs> so have you got them as well or do I need to read them out? No, you're, you're going to have to read these. Okay. So I've got one by Mag Great Art. Hopefully it's really long. No, it's pretty short. <laughs> she said... <laughs> Go to, go with it by the train into the city, have lunch and take pictures at High Park. I don't know what High Park is, but it's obviously somewhere really nice. And then this one made me not laugh. I've got Diable One, and it's on Instagram. As a huge fan of Star Wars, it is and always has been May the 4th. Ah, groan, groan. <laughs> so okay we have a a new question which this time we will definitely post (laughs) and it is what is the happiest art related accident you've ever had so what is the happiest art related accident you ever had and uh, tara is going to be posting that up (laughs) on monday (laughs) as we release this podcast yeah can somebody remind me if you notice the question isn't there can you shout at me? Yeah, I'll shout Please. at you. I love shouting at yeah. you. Anyway, what is your happiest art-related accident? Mine? Yeah. Ooh. Do you is know what? Bottle I... top? No, no, no. Yeah. No, I don't know because I haven't really thought about it. But I've had lots <laughs> and lots of happy accidents. And I think happy accidents are what has made me um, a better artist. Better at what I do, like accidentally, (gasps) by accidentally, you know, doing something. Oh, that works. No, I can't think actually because I I haven't actually thought about it. I should have done. What about you? Um, I think one of mine is a recent one, which was by mistake putting gouache on my painting, thinking it was matte medium. I think I told you this before. Oh yeah, Uh, yeah. So so I'm using matte medium, you know, putting all on that. my charcoal with my roller and then I get to just grab a tube and go to put some more on and it's white gouache. I've just realised what our happiest art-related accident actually is. What, meeting? Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Happy, that, ha- it's not happy though, is it? <laughs> meeting? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was it then? I don't know, some mishap. <laughs> Us meeting online, that was a very happy art-related incident. Oh, accident. you're so lovely and I'm so not. You're so horrible. I am. So mm-hmm. as always, you can tweet us your answers if I remember to put up the question at Kit Creatives or let us know in the Facebook group, which if you haven't joined, I suggest you do. Um, we'll put the question up there and also on our Facebook page and, of course, on Instagram, which is Kicking the Creatives. So we hope that gave you the kick in the creatives you needed. And don't forget to pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. And, of course, there you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you are enjoying the podcast, we'd be so grateful if you'd leave us a little review on iTunes or even just a star rating if you don't have much time. And also, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and you'll keep up with all the upcoming challenges and podcasts if you do that. 
If you enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support us here at Kick in the Creatives, you can now do so by supporting us with a cup of coffee, much needed at the moment. You can find the link to that on our website. It's the Kofi link. And of course, we're not going to buy coffee with it, really. We're going to actually help pay for our hosting and all those little bits and pieces. So any chocolate. little thing is, Yeah, ch- oh, chocolate. Mm, hot chocolate. Yeah, so it, it all helps us and we really appreciate it. But anyway, we will see you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Welcome to today's episode, which is all about the artist's playground. But before oh, before I go on to that, Tara, are you happy? Oh, my that? God. Are you happy with that title? Oh, my God. <laughs> How many false starts have we getting? <laughs> are you we happy? start again? Don't ask me because we're going to have another stupid start again, aren't we? <laughs> okay. Oh, we were confusing people last time. <laughs>